Welcome to Healthy Choices with your host, Ray Solano from Austin, Texas. We're ready for your calls right now. Call in toll-free at 877-956-9566. Now, here's your host, Ray Solano. Well, hello there, and welcome to Healthy Choices XM as we're broadcasting live from Austin, Texas. Again, I'm your host, Ray Solano, clinical pharmacist and board-certified clinical nutritionist. And we're here as live. We're the only, as we always say, we're the only live show on XM Family Talk on the weekend. Everybody else is taking the weekend off, but we're here live because we really want to hear to take your questions today about your health and how you can really make responsible choices that we feel that can change your life. Phone number is eight seven seven nine five six nine five six six. It's always good to call in early on our show as we can be able to. Get your all your questions in, and or you could text us at 512-219-0724. Even if you're podcasting or listening to this as a pre-record, you can always text us at that number, and we always will have our consultants get back to you. And as we talked about this as a broadcast on our website, healthychoicesxm.com, we told all of our listeners that today's topic is about breast cancer. And we, as we said, it's always more than just wearing pink. And this is supposed to be bring awareness to breast cancer and cancer, but it doesn't talk about prevention and how all the steps that we need to do to educate our, I guess, from our children to our parents to our entire family members, prevention. And that's what our show is about today. I'm going to be joined by Dr. Gazagoli of Progressive Medical Centers to review this topic, and not only for treatments, but also for prevention. Remember to check out our new e-commerce store, where we can, everything on our site is 20% off and free shipping, and that's really a fabulous deal. Check us out on our website, healthychoicesxm.com. As a special guest is going to be joining us on the second half of our show, Dr. Anthony Capasso, he's the founder of Thin Med Spa of Jacksonville, Florida. He will join us and review some solutions to stimulate your mitochondria. This is an important step for cancer prevention because many, some of the research has shown that cancer is a mitochondria disorder. And we'll talk more about that in the second half of our show. That's why we, we really want people to understand cancer is preventable. It's not just genes going uh, abnormal expression of genes, that it's just something that's inherited and inevitable. We think it's just just the opposite. So he'll be joining us on a popular request, Dr. Anthony Capasso, in the second half of our show. is talking about mitochondria and some unique formulations that he's discovered to be able to help our mitochondria and prevent cancer. Our toll-free number is 877-956-9566. And as a quick announcement, today our show is sponsored by PD Labs, nationally sponsored, licensed pharmacy centered on research-driven pharmaceuticals. The website is pdlabsrx.com. And check us out uh, for all of our, our full-service needs for specialized, personalized medications, because this is what's it's really important. You always have a choice in your medications and don't have to settle for what somebody or your insurance takes to you. This is the reason why we do our show. And 
over 15 years because we're really dedicated to make sure people get the best health care. So as, as our show, we, we're going to go through a couple different topics uh, t- today on cancer. And what, before we start our, our interview, we wanted people to understand the reason why we're doing this show is people may not realize that cancer, childhood cancer, is the most dangerous and the most uh, popular causes of death of children is cancer in children. So every year, close to 300,000 families around the world will hear the, the statement, your child is cancer, but can you do something about it? And this is the reason why we were just going to go through this list very quickly before our interview with Dr. Gazagoli is the 10 things you should know about childhood cancer. And the reason why it's the fastest growing form of cancer is, is in children. And a lot of people just don't know that, and they're trying to understand why is this occurring. And every two minutes, a child is diagnosed with cancer. That's, that's really very sobering statistic. The average age of the child diagnosed with cancer is six years old. 80% of the children diagnosed with cancer are in developing countries. So this is really a problem. The most common childhood cancer is acute leukemia, most all of them. In the 50s, almost all of them died. Now, on Fortunately, about 95, but in almost most of the cases, 80% of the cases with cancer, the children has, the cancer has already spread to other areas of the body by the time it is diagnosed. So there are over a dozen types of childhood cancer and 30% when the, the most rare types, 30% of, account for almost 30% in children. It's very difficult to do research on these cancers. So that's why it's really important to understand possibility what is causing these genes to turn on because genes can be turned on and off. We call them expression. And we feel that the environmental insults or the environmental risks that are occurring is this is the reason this is a very quickly fast growing forms of of death in children is cancer is because there's something in our environment that's causing. That's what we're going to go through our show today, talking about in diagnosis and also in in treatments and prevention. Sean, let's go ahead and get our tape going with Dr. Gazagoli, the founder of Progressive Medical Centers. Sean? It's October, which is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and and most of you um, that are listening to us, at the Progressive Medical Hour Power, you've obviously been touched by, by breast cancer. Uh, you may know someone that knows someone, or you may have a family member, you may have a spouse, you may have a mother or sister, um, a cousin. You know, this is this is a real epidemic in our country. We're, we're seeing a staggering amount of women now contracting breast cancer uh, into the hundreds of thousands, and, and we're also seeing... Um, a lot of research being pumped into this, but we're, we're, what's happening with this research? And, and we want to tackle all of these areas. Myself, personally, I, I just returned from a, a conference in Orlando. It's called Truth in Cancer. Uh, and that organization, which was led by non-physicians, non-scientists, it was started by someone who basically had enough. He, he, he lost uh, seven or eight family members to cancer, and, and he was concerned 
uh, as a husband and father that, wow, I need to do something about it. His name is Ty Bollinger. You know, he's been criticized by certain people that he's not a scientist, but, but he's an advocate. He's a patient advocate, and we need patient advocates. And, yes, of course, we need intelligent scientists that are science-minded and that are, that are looking for the root causes. I'm not, I'm not going to use the word cure, okay? I'm not going to use that word cure. I think that's misleading because, ultimately, what is cancer? And cancer, from our perspective, is a metabolic disease. Now, I met several scientists at the conference. We interviewed them. One of my colleagues, Dr. Jockers, interviewed. He's about to do a summit called the Keto Ed Summit. He's talking about ketogenic lifestyle. But what's interesting is that one of the scientists that we actually interviewed, Dr. Seafried, um, is a Ph.D., he was talking that he found the pathway he has the actual pathway which is a metabolic pathway which has a lot to do with glucose metabolism and glutamate and there are certain medications there are certain treatments there are certain diets that blocks that pathway that makes the cancer makes the cancer more tenuous weakened so this way whether you do chemotherapy uh, whether you decide to do other interventions, radiation, or whether you start to do immunotherapy, or you can do some integrative therapy such as high-dose vitamin C or H2O2, which is hydrogen peroxide, or some form of oxygen, guess what happens? That by blocking off the supply of the nutrients that feeds the cancer, because basically, what is cancer? Cancer is a disease in which cells multiply uncontrollably and disrupt normal functioning of one or more organs, okay? There are over 100 different types of cancers, which can be broken down to four major categories, carcinomas, sarcomas, lymphomas, and leukemias. Now, what we know is that they all have one common denominator, and that common denominator is they need to be fed by glucose, okay? So this theory about Dr. Seafried, he actually proved it scientifically. And it was amazing, Dr. Burdett, because I was really, really impressed with the speakers. And I was really impressed. And it was just a different perspective, of course. Um, and this is an area that you and I know um, has to be discussed, Absolutely. And we have to do more research. And breast cancer is one of the most common types of cancer among women in the United States. Uh, unfortunately, the incidence of breast cancer has steadily been increasing for years. Uh, according to several uh, research institutions, a woman's lifetime risk of developing cancer is one in seven. Breast cancer is the second largest cause of cancer death in women after lung cancer. Uh, men can also get breast cancer. So men, you're not out of the woods, even though it's a smaller percentage. It's, it's, it's rare. Uh, for every man that is diagnosed with breast cancer, over 100 women have been diagnosed with breast cancer. Approximately 97% of women diagnosed with breast cancer in early stage of disease uh, survive uh, for more than five years. So early detection is important as well. So, Dr. Burnett, let's just get right into the, the whole breast cancer conversation. Uh, I know you've done a lot of research in it. Um, I know that you're really big on... Um, the metabolic causes of cancer and that metabolic um, medicine is critically important because cancer is a metabolic disease. So let's start from there. I, I want to really focus on breast cancer because mm -hmm. 
we, we hear a lot about the cure, Susan B. Coleman, the cure. And, and I sit there, and sometimes I get a little agitated because I'm saying to myself, you, you know, a lot of the research dollars are all based on pharmaceuticals and um, looking at only doing chemo, although we do believe chemo plays a role in, in depending on after you debulk the tumor, uh, but it's really not looking at, at the cause. So what's exactly, your opinion on that? Exactly. And so this is where we need to get more specific. And just like you said, when we have this focus on uh, the, the cure, the cure, the cure, uh, that is really um, it, early detection is not a cure, right? Early detection is after it's already occurred. And so nobody is dismissing the importance of early detection. That is absolutely something that we should strive towards and that we should work to uh, figure out because the earlier something is detected, the more likely you are to be a candidate for surgery. And surgery has very good response rate in terms of um, tumor prognosis, breast cancer diagnosis, and progression. So, of course, that's an important part. But we should also be mindful that it's not a focus on a cure because it's after it's a breast cancer has already occurred. So looking at prevention, uh, making sure that we don't find ourselves or working as we can to make sure we don't find ourselves in these situations is also important. Now, what does that mean? How, how do we do that? Well, the good news is that the World Cancer Research Foundation says as much as 90% of all cancers are preventable. And then when you begin to look at the, the cause, they say it's environmental. And so when you look at how that pie breaks down, what, what environmental contributors are there? Well, those contributors are things that you're aware of. They're things like obesity and smoking overconsumption of alcohol, uh, environmental toxicity, exposure risk. And so many of the pieces, many of what we need, much of what we need to do to prevent a cancer from occurring lies within our own power. That is excellent news. Now, that's not to say that if somebody gets a breast cancer that that's their fault. Of course not. Uh, well, we're not, we are, we're not armed uh, with enough information around this. We're not armed with enough discussion, enough tools. And so we've really got to up the focus, up the, uh, up the answers, up the questions around how do we prevent this in the first place? How do we prevent a breast cancer? And we're talking about is breast cancer and cancer in general a metabolic disease? Dr. Bird, let's talk first of all, what exactly is a metabolic disease? Yeah, so a, a metabolic disease is a condition in which we are, our, our metabolism is changing, and as metabolism changes, that affects other underlying issues. So many of us will think of metabolism and will think of weight loss or weight gain, and you're not wrong when you think of that. Of course, metabolism drives that. But a metabolic condition can be beyond weight loss and weight gain. A metabolic condition are things like diabetes or pre-diabetes. A metabolic condition can even be something called polycystic ovarian syndrome that's also driven by our metabolism and changes in that metabolism. Interestingly, we're beginning to realize that things like Alzheimer's and dementia are in, in also a type of metabolic condition and finally cancer. And so when are we, these metabolic conditions have an underlying unifying uh, factor of insulin and insulin resistance uh, being uh, something that is driving the condition. So essentially, 
because of what our body is viewing as excessive consumption of calories and carbohydrates. It begins to make insulin and it begins to make too much insulin. When you make too much insulin, the receptor that talks to insulin gets burned out and we become insulin resistant. Think about a a key going into a keyhole over and over and over and finally you damage that keyhole so the key no longer works. The same thing is true of an abundance of insulin, insulin, insulin pushing that receptor. Eventually the receptor down regulates. It doesn't answer the door anymore. And so this is the beginning of an insulin resistance. This is the beginning of, uh, of the body saying, I've had too much. I'm in excess. I'm in overload. And so this metabolic syndrome can play out in terms of diabetes. Uh, so one of the things that happens is we begin to make more cholesterol. We begin to make more lipids. The body sees all that insulin and says, I must be in a time of feast, not famine. Make fats, make triglycerides, make cholesterol. And we begin to increase some of those damaging lipids that can contribute to cardiovascular disease. In terms of polycystic ovarian syndrome, when the body says, I've got all this insulin, I'm in a feast, I'm not in a famine, one of the things it does is it can crank up production of testosterone. And so for women, if now we produce too much testosterone relative to our other reproductive hormones, things like progesterone or estrogen, we'll be in trouble. And this is what, what the hallmark of something like polycystic ovarian syndrome looks like. So a metabolic condition is also true of cancer. What we can see with cancer is that when we have more insulin available, this is one of the things that tells the cell, I'm in a state of feast, not famine. And that feast says to the cancer cell to divide and divide and to divide again. So even cancer can be seen as a metabolic condition rather than just a condition of the DNA. So when we think back to eighth grade cell biology, we probably all learned about the DNA, the brain of the cell. And then when we learned about the brain of the cell, we learned if that DNA is damaged, if it's nicked, if it's damaged, if it mutates, then this is the beginning of a cancer change. And that's true. Nobody's here to unravel those years of hypothesis around DNA mutation. But we are here to say that it's more than a one-step process. It's at least a two-step process and arguably much more than that. But the mutation takes place. And now you have to have, in addition to the mutation, that metabolic signal. And that metabolic signal is insulin, 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 saying to the cell, we've got sugar, sugar, sugar. We're in a time of feast. And now because of, yes, that DNA mutation, but also the metabolic signal the cell begins to divide and divide and divide again. You have to have one alongside the other in order to move into a cancerous process that's incompatible with life. We all have cancer cells. We all have mutations inside the cell. We can have as many as 10,000 cancer cells in our body at any one time. But what should happen is that single cell should be no competition for our immune system. The immune system should recognize it, weed it out, and get rid of it. But when that metabolic signal is there in full force, when insulin is there tapping on the door saying we're in a time of famine, that's what allows that cell to divide. And when a cancer grows and spreads, it is all over your system. That's what's incompatible with life. 
So yes, the DNA mutation is important and is necessary in order for that change. But it's that metabolic signal that sends that cancer into fast forward where the immune system can't keep up with it anymore. So that's so important. Thank you for explaining that, Dr. Burnett, because, you know, when we hear the word metabolism, and you're right, people think it's, it's about weight loss, but no, no, absolutely not. You, you know, metabolism is responsible for all physical and chemical processes necessary to sustain life, including the breakdown of or the 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 making of cellular energy and the degradation of, of various compounds, which basically means that your body's getting rid of waste products. So when you look at the energy and you look at these cancer cells that are constantly dividing and replicating, obviously it is a metabolic disease. And this is one of our concerns when, when these research scientists are just looking to for therapies that are going to destroy uh, the cancer cells, and, and we, we agree with that, but they also destroy healthy cells. So we have to be very exactly. cautious that when you're looking at a strategy for cancer, specifically breast cancer, we want to be able to preserve the good cells. And unfortunately, chemotherapy works almost too good because it's destroying all of the cells in the area. Exactly. And we need a period of recovery, and this is why I'm going to encourage listeners out there to seek the advice of an integrative oncology approach. There are oncologists, not a lot of them, there are oncologists that are seeing the benefits of working on your metabolism, working with your diet. There is no doubt that the research is compelling that those who engage in a ketogenic diet, which is a high-fat diet, low glycemic, lower protein, that the cancer cells are cut off the supply of energy from the glucose, and now that cancer becomes weakened. Listening to Healthy Choices XM, broadcasting live from Austin, Texas, as we're talking with Dr. Gazagoli and Dr. Cheryl Burdett of Progressive Medical Centers of Atlanta, talking about the causes of cancer. And also, we're going to be getting into some treatments, and also, we're going to go through the prevention of cancer. So this is a very, if you just if you just tuned in, Cheryl Burdett went through the very three causes of cancer and the thing that's the most important to realize is that the body's excessive is the is causes the body to make too much insulin causes this cascade of too much making the body making too much fat making cells divide and that includes cancer cells divide to replicate so we have this cascade of events that start with the overconsumption of sugar and carbohydrates that causes the body to have a hard time keeping up because we start again with this insulin resistance. So a lot of people don't realize that there's a connection there, but we want people to understand the first step is to be able to understand these metabolic signals and it starts with sugar and the body's ability to keep up with making insulin. So this is what we're going to want people to understand. We're going to go through the second half of our show, talk a little bit more about how to fight cancer, how to prevent it. And also Dr. 
Anthony Capasso, the founder of Thin MD Spa of Jacksonville, is going to talk about his solution to stimulate your mitochondria because we talked about this as a metabolic syndrome. And he'll be joining us and give his solution and a formulation that he put together to really stimulate your mitochondria. So you want don't want to miss that. So check out our also our website, healthychoicesxm.com. And this is a great show to share with your family members, your practitioners, because integrative approach to oncology is the wave of the future. We'll be back in just a moment as we talk more with Dr. Gazagoli and Dr. Schoberdet about breast cancer in just a few minutes.
Let's talk about your healthy choices. We have room for you right now. Toll free at 877-956-9566. Well, welcome back to Healthy Choices. I'm your host, Ray Solano, clinical pharmacist and clinical nutritionist. And we're talking about breast cancer today. And it's more than just pink. And we're going to get and understand the people. It's not inevitable. It's something that you can control. And we talked before the break, we talked about how important this is a metabolic syndrome that a tremendous amount of increased blood glucose, this is why it's important for people to get their hemoglobin A1C checked, has this cascade effect that makes your body divide cells or divide and replicate cells, including cancer cells. So this is something that starts over 20 years ago before it actually manifests itself. So it's really important to understand the metabolic signaling that's occurring. We're going to get back to our interview with Dr. Gazagoli at Progressive Medical Centers of Atlanta. And then we'll be back in a few minutes with Dr. Anthony Capasso. He's going to talk about his solution for fighting cancer and prevention by stimulating the mitochondria. Sean, let's go ahead and get started. Breast cancer is real. We're predicting in our society one in seven women in their lifetime will contract breast cancer. Uh, this is this, These numbers are staggering. It's the number two killer of cancer for women. Lung cancer is number one. Um, so this is something that we really have to um, do better at. Um, we are getting better as, as a society from a diagnostic perspective. So I don't want to talk about the diagnose, diagnostic um, and testing right now because we're going to put that aside. That can be for another show because we're going to talk about uh, other tests for uh, breast cancer. But these are for women uh, that have been diagnosed and what to do right now. So we've established uh, what metabolic um, medicine is, why um, cancer is a metabolic disease. So I want to also now begin the discussion on some contributing factors, uh, some risk factors. Um, that we need to really understand. Uh, number one, there's been a lot of discussion and education on genetic a deep predisposition. So a family history of many women with breast cancer, ovarian cancer. Uh, we know that there is a genetic component. Uh, Dr. Burdett, this is, this is an area of confusion. And what I mean by confusion is that automatically if somebody gets a genome test and they think, oh, I have a predisposition, I'm going to get breast cancer. Uh, and you and I both know that that is not 100% correct, has a lot to do with the environment. So what exactly does it mean, the expression of the gene with the environmental? Yeah, and so, so exactly that. So that it, that it is not just a genetic condition. And as the World Research Cancer Foundation tells us, 90% of cancers are actually environmental. Now, again, we are not suggesting that you should not know if your risk is heightened over the average because, again, statistics uh, like that are looking across populations. So understanding and, and really honing on, in on your specific risk factors is obviously important and obviously useful because if I know genetically you're more at risk for a certain cancer, then there are other diagnostic markers I can use to monitor your metabolism to see if you are, yes, genetically at risk, but if there are other metabolic pieces that are causing those genes to be more likely to express themselves. 
And so, again, I'm really seeing how that really not just relying on or resting on genetic risk, but what else can we do to shift whether or not those genes are expressed? And a lot can be done there. So if I see that genetically you're more at risk, I'm going to be looking at those things more frequently. Uh, if you're less at risk, then we'll probably look at them a little less frequently. Again, all of this can be individualized and should be. Um, but just because you do have an increased genetic risk or you don't doesn't mean that you, you have answered the question of whether or not you should engage in prevention all of us should engage in prevention because even some of the most genetically connected cancers, uh, which are an increase of 16% or 20%, you don't see that it equates to 100%. And yet again, you see that environment uh, playing so much of a role. And by environment, what I mean is internally your own environment, your biochemistry, your insulin, your markers, the things like glucose and C-reactive protein and, and all these pieces can be used to tell where you are at on the continuum. So um, it becomes useful, yes, to know your genetics, but then also just as important to control your metabolism, uh, to control your lifestyle factors that can contribute. So what does that mean? Well, one of the things that the American Cancer Society says we should do is, guess what, exercise. And they talk about 30 minutes, five times a week, decreasing your risk as of, ha of cancer by half and doing the same for decreasing your risk of reoccurrence. That is phenomenal. So that is very actionable. If you're wondering how much you should exercise, I tell all patients that that's my bottom line goal. Now, sometimes there are other things going on, pain or adrenal fatigue, and we can't start there. But ultimately, I need to see everybody at at least 30 minutes five times a week. That is going to decrease your risk of cancer by half. So exercise, exercise, exercise. Probably not a big surprise that exercise shifts your metabolism. Now, remember, we said that metabolism isn't just weight loss or weight gain, um, but it does, it does play into it. And so another thing that we know is that people that are able to maintain close to their normal BMI, close to where they were in high school, also have a drastically lower risk of an onset of cancer. So again, metabolically fit um, in controlling metabolism, keeping your BMI normal is again one of the most important things you can do to reduce your risk of cancer. So again, you probably knew that before you listened to this show. You probably already knew that exercise was good for you. You probably even knew that maintaining a normal body weight was good for you. But did you realize it's probably one of the most important things that you can do to prevent a cancer? So yes, I think it's fine to want to continue to fit into your jeans and to look good in that swimsuit and to be able to wear that dress that you wore to that wedding 20 years ago. All of those are reasonable goals. And another thing that that is doing for you is it's drastically reducing your risk of cancer. So exercise and try to maintain close to a normal BMI. The second thing that you all know uh, is that you need to eat a diet of fruits and vegetables. And, you know, I wouldn't rely too heavily on the fruit part of that. You need to be more focused on the vegetable part. So Journal of Oncology said that five servings of fruits and vegetables a day reduce the risk of reoccurrence by another 50%. So, again, Journal of Oncology 
talks about this dietary piece and how important it is. This is not just you know, research from um, Consumer Health or um, from, you know, some, some local magazine. These are, this is the Journal of Oncology. There's a recognition about how important uh, lo- keeping your glycemic index down is. And one of the primary ways that we do that is we increase vegetables in the diet. We can debate about what's the best diet out there. But unless you're getting 75% vegetables in your diet, then you don't have an optimal diet. I don't care if your if your diet is paleo. I don't care if your diet is ketogenic, if it's vegan, if it's vegetarian. If you don't see 70-75% vegetables on your plate, then you're missing the mark. And no corn and potatoes can't be those two vegetables. They have to be the green leafies. They have to be the things that are low glycemic index. Uh, when, when those are the kind of vegetables that you are eating, uh, these are going to be dense in phytonutrients, dense in antioxidants, low in sugar. And remember that that's that sugar that drives that metabolic influence. So these are things that you have to do, exercise and eat more vegetables. I know you knew that already, but one of the areas where that data shines the most is in terms of cancer prevention. Now, you're doing that. How do we evaluate? Is it enough for you? Uh, What changes? Do you need to add some uh, some additional antioxidants? It's my hope and dream that one day everyone will be looking at a simple marker, something called 8-OHDG, in the same way we look at cholesterol. So this marker, it's from urine. You don't even need a blood draw. It's inexpensive. Um, And so from this marker, it goes up when you don't, basically, when you have too many free radicals and not enough antioxidants, this marker goes up. You're listening to Healthy Choices XM as we're going through the causes of cancers, and especially breast cancer. You're listening to Progressive Medical Center's physicians out of Atlanta, Georgia, going through the physiology and the root causes of breast cancers and cancers. And and as we Cheryl was just talking, was talking about antioxidants. And this is the reason why we wanted to have our special guest, Dr. Anthony Capasso founder of Thin MD Spa of Jacksonville to join us. You're listening to Healthy Choices XM, where our phone lines are open at 877-956-9566, or you can text us at 512-219-0724. Dr. Capasso, welcome to Healthy Choices. Good evening, Ray. Good talking with you. Well, you know, we gave you, uh, we set this up very nicely for you. Dr. Cheryl Burdett was just talking, getting into antioxidants and its roles uh, for cancer prevention therapy and getting to understand how free radicals and how important they play as, as a causative factor in these cells replicating at a, an alarming rate. So, doctor, this is something that you, mitochondria function and 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 healthy mitochondria is a big part of cancer therapy. And maybe if you can uh, give our listeners a little bit of background as to how this all connects, these dots all connect. Sure. Um, so as as Dr. Burdett was talking about, you know, she was talking about cellular health. You know, what's going on inside the cells, and it's important to realize how vital your cellular health is to you because. When it becomes compromised, your risk for cancers are much higher. Specifically, I'm talking about your mitochondrial health. And we know that there's a close relationship with your mitochondrial health 
and the oncogenes that can be triggered to cause cancers to grow. Um, and in fact, some therapies for cancers are targeting mitochondrial metabolism. So, you know, the bottom line is having healthy mitochondria is extremely important to have efficient cellular energy production and cell survival in the face of all the environmental stressors that, that we get from a day-to-day basis. You know, it may be nutrient depletions, it may be oxygen deprivation, or if you've had cancer and been treated with chemo or radiation, um, you know, it's absolutely going to affect um, the functioning of your mitochondria. So it's a, it's more than ahead. likely, you'll probably have some form of mitochondrial injury and dysfunction if you've had those treatments. And what happens is you get poor healing, your immune system starts to become impaired, and you just feel tired all the time. And, you know, I know I've talked about how important mitochondria are and how many amazing things that they do in your body from, um, you know, allowing your body to um, regulate um, the aging of the cells, how it divides and how it dies. Um, it's also involved with turning on genes and controlling that, that aspect. Um, so, you know, if the mitochondria aren't functioning well, then you're going to be more prone to developing cancer. So, you know, my focus is is how to really drive mitochondrial health because what I find is that the majority of patients that I see that come into my office have some form of mitochondrial dysfunction from either age-related diseases or autoimmune diseases or maybe they've had cancers and they've been treated and they come in, they're tired, their immune system is kind of sluggish. And so the focus is how do I kind of re, you know, reinvigorate their mitochondria um, That's exactly th- right. If I, if I can just interrupt you for just a second, uh, doctor, we have uh, Margaret that's calling in from California that's, that talks about she is cancer-free and she's worried about it coming back. Maybe we can pick up on her comment and go through what you were just uh, speaking about. Margaret, welcome to Healthy Choices. Margaret, are you there? Yes, I am here. Margaret, uh, welcome to Healthy Choices. How can we help you today? Dr. Anthony Capasso is here to be able to maybe answer your question. Okay. Yes, doctor, thank you very much. I was diagnosed with uh, stage 4 small cell neuroendocrine carcinoma in December of 2011. Just as of this May 30th this year, I was diagnosed as cancer-free. I've been through major surgery, chemo, uh, you know, chemo and a sutent, a re, you know, replacement drugs, and other procedures. Now that I'm cancer-free, um, I'm not that free of cancer because I, I believe it will come back, uh, as, most can- as a lot of cancers do, as I have seen since I've been diagnosed. And I'd like to know what I can do to help my body. I'm still tired, and is that reasonable to still be tired, uh, after six and a half years, and what can, what else can I do? What can you recommend that I do to keep my my body going, hopefully cancer free, and to reinvigorate, as you said, uh, my metabolism? Yeah, sure, absolutely. So, yeah, the, you know, your the fatigue that you're describing definitely could be related to the treatments, and um, you know, what gives us energy is having healthy mitochondria. What I tell my patients is. You know, the first thing, and I know Dr. Burdett kind of alluded to this, um, number one, you need to make sure that you're eating an anti-inflammatory diet kind of full of natural healthy foods. You want to remove those processed foods, the sugars, 
um, uh, from the diet because those can stimulate um, unhealthy mitochondria um, by the way the mitochondria actually process it. So when your mitochondria, um, you know, if you eat a lot of carbohydrates, the mitochondria break them down to produce energy, but the byproducts of that carbohydrate metabolism injure the mitochondria and, and make, um, you know, make the mitochondria sick so they don't work as well. So eating an anti-inflammatory diet, removing those processed foods, um, a little bit of caloric restriction is also very, very um, productive for mitochondrial biogenesis. Ketogenic diets um, also have been shown, um, even in some cancer um, studies, to help um, kind of slow that cancer growth down. Excuse part me, of it. What, what kind of diet again? What is um, ketogen- ketogenic diet, so eating oh. um, predominantly healthy fats, so the fats that I usually recommend for my patients are omega-3s. Um, I usually have uh, them increase their um, uh, fish, especially salmon and the cold water fish. Walnuts are, are also great. Um, green leafy vegetables, colorful fruits, those are all the antioxidants that will kind of help keep that immune system working well so it can do kind of natural surveillance to help um, suppress that. And I also eliminate high inflammatory foods like gluten and dairy. They seem to um, turn on your immune system in the wrong way, and um, and sometimes your, you know, your immune system won't be um, focused on um, making sure the cancer comes back. It's work. It's working on more inflammation in your gut, and that's kind of the second thing that I that I work with patients is. Make sure that your gut is doing well, that, you know, your, your intestinal flora is good, that you don't have leaky gut, you're not bloated, you're not having um, any constipation or loose stools or IBS-type symptoms because those are all drivers of, um, of inflammation that can, again, make your immune system not, not work as well as it could. Okay, may I interrupt uh, you again here? Yeah, uh, sure. The internist, my internist, part of my cancer team, he had suggested, because I was having loose bowels and diarrhea, uh, ever since the operation back in 2012, early, well, early 2012, and he recommended I take Benefiber. So I've been doing that quite regularly and uh, for at least two years now. You and uh, for the most part, it seems to help. Is that a good idea? Yeah. So, well, you know, doc, doctor, we we'll just interrupt for just a second. You know, we're, we're like you said, many times the pay these patients uh, their their GI tracts are are not have not repopulated with good bacteria, mm-hmm. uh, and their you know fiber is one part of it, but the replacing the good bacteria and get that microbiome uh, replenished is, is such an important part, and also the mitochondria repair that the formulation that you put together, the mitoblast is also a big part of the fatigue as well, right, doctor? Oh, absolutely. And, and, and that's getting down to kind of, you know, one of the last things that, that, that I talk to my patients about is because you've got injured mitochondria, you've got to, you know, you have to do certain things to reinvigorate them. A little bit of exercise is one, and then there are some nutrients that really, really work well. And I formulated um, this particular product for myself when I was having a lot of fatigue and endurance issues. And it's loaded with vitamins, antioxidants that specifically tell your body kind of the same things that exercise does. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it turns on the production of mitochondria. It's, it's incredible. Um, I noticed it within the first two weeks of, of taking it. And um, I see, you know, a lot of my patients 
that have these age-related problems, um, I'm, I'm telling them about this product because it's been such a game changer for me mm-hmm. and my health mm-hmm. that, um, you know, I, it, it, I wouldn't feel right not doing it because I practice medicine based on this now. Uh-huh. Um, and so, you know, when, when you find something that works well, you want to tell the whole world, and that's kind of what, what, what I'm trying to do is, is let people know that mitochondrial health is one of the most important things, and, and if you don't focus on it, you know, you're not going to do well and you're not going to continue to be healthy and thrive. Mm-hmm. Well, Margaret, I hope that that's helpful for you. If you. Maybe if you want to text us your contact information, we can maybe answer some more of your questions offline, and Dr. will give us the website for his information All as right. well. You can, te- you can text us at 512-219-0724, your contact information, and we'll see if we can uh, help you uh, as a consultant off the air as we as Dr. Capasso is volunteering his time today, and we really appreciate it. But, Doctor, can you give that website again for the uh, your 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 location and also the, how to get the Mitoblast? Sure. So um, there's two websites. The, the Mitoblast um, website is mitoblast.com, um, or you can call my office directly, area code 904-694-0992, and the website for my office. My office is um, thinmdmedspa.com. All righty. I thank, well, thank you, you very, Margaret. very much. We appreciate it. And, oh, I appreciate uh, we, it. And if, just text us your information, and we'll see if we can help you. Okay, Margaret? Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. Take, God bless take you care. all. Okay. Thank you. you. Well, well, doctor, it seems like we've hit a nerve. We've got uh, Jack uh, calling us from Rhode Island. He has a question for us. Jack, welcome to Healthy Choices XM. Hey, thank you for taking my call. So I have a question, Doc, regards to flaxseed, the whole flaxseed. I was told by a friend that men should not take this because it increases their uh, estrogen level, and we want to increase, decrease estrogen and increase testosterone. And you were just mentioning about omega-3s, and I heard flaxseed being a plant-based is loaded with omega-3s. That, yeah, that's correct. Um, Flaxseed is one of the omega-3s. It's alpha-linolytic acid. Um, I'm not a huge fan of flaxseed. I prefer um, out, of, out of the alpha-linolytic class either walnuts or chia seed just because I haven't seen a lot of great um, um, data and clinical studies on flaxseed in regards to, you know, prevention of heart disease um, or, um, you know, brain-type type thing. So, I'm not a huge fan of flaxseed. I think it's fine if it's in your diet and in smaller amounts. Um, there are a lot of estrogenic plants, uh, um, things like soy, that also have that effect. Um, I, you know, as long as your systems is, um, you know, as long as you're, you're uh, healthy, small amounts aren't going to um, cause any significant health-related uh, concerns. Very good. Thank you. You're welcome. Those are some good questions, uh, uh, Doctor. You know, estrogen levels connection with uh, testosterone. We, you know, I just came through with the urology conference in San Antonio, and it, it appears that the, sometimes there's a disconnect between testosterone levels and estrogen levels. So, you know, we'd like to maybe come have you come back again and uh, and talk a little bit more about that. But maybe if you can give out just before our closing st- statements, just that the Mitoblast website one more time. Sure. The website is mitoblast.com, M-I-T-O-B-L-A-S-T.com. 
Um, or if you want to speak to one of our nutritional specialists, um, you can call my office at area code 904-694-0992. Well, that's great. And we appreciate you on our show today. And we just kind of unfortunately just run out of time. We're going to have you back again another time. You're listening to Healthy Choices XM. And check out our website, healthychoicesxm.com. And you can always text us anytime during the week if you want to find out more information about mitoblast or cancer therapy at 512-219-0724 we'll be back next week with a another exciting uh update on mike uh, biotoxin pathways and mold therapy so join us back next week and in the meantime check out our website healthy choices xm doctor thanks a lot for being on the show today and uh, make sure you have a great weekend watch watch the baseball game huh You too, Ray. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot.